right, welcome in Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays. As you know, during the season, we'll be wrapping things up. Off season, we got a lot of different things to do. Spring previews, we had been doing for the last couple of weeks, but we've wrapped them up. We've done all the SEC teams, except for the teams coming into the SEC. So we'll go a little bit of bonus round today. Texas, Oklahoma made a lot of noise last week, obviously talking about the SEC schedule moving forward. Eight games in 24. I think it goes to nine and 25. These teams will be involved in both. So why not go ahead and take an early peek, get a little bit of an idea, because you know all these SEC fans are going to be peeking at those teams, right? We're all going to be looking over there, a little extra eye as to, all right, what's Oklahoma doing? What's Texas doing? What do they got? Who are the young kids? They're going to have to be playing against our teams here in the SEC in the upcoming seasons. So I figured we would go ahead and preview those teams, give you an idea what we're looking at. Texas and OU fans, welcome in. We want to welcome you to the SEC as well. So what we do each and every week here during the season, like I said, I blast through the film. I give you the review of the SEC teams. What I saw, we go through that. However, offseason, very different. Spring previews. We talk scheduling. We got some different things planned for you coming up before the season begins. But we are here every single Sunday for you. And as a lot of you know, maybe not all of you, we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles. Our friends over there at Wickles do an amazing job. They keep us stocked up with pickles. They are wickedly delicious. Find them in your grocery store. Find them in your favorite restaurant. Wickles.com. They are the bomb. And go check them out. You should just have some laying around. They're great to snack on. Now, they go with a lot of other food, burgers, whatever. Throw some toothpicks in them and have them as appetizers if your friends are coming over. But you can also uh, go to Wickles Instagram and check out some recipes they have for them there or just snack on them. I just grab them out of the jar every now and then and have a couple here and there because they are fantastic. They're our title sponsor. And we always appreciate Wickle Pickles being a part of what we do here at Cube Show. Please follow along Instagram, Twitter at Cube Show, TikTok at The Cube Show, YouTube at Cube Show 61. New subscribers there. Thank you very much. We're up over 3,000. We're moving along here, moving and chucking. We appreciate that. All right, let's get into this week. We like to update news before we go into our actual previews. Not a lot happening in the portal. Uh, one guy that we kind of mentioned last week is going to be on one of these teams we're talking about today, but Texas A&M gets Jordan Anthony, wide receiver from Kentucky, a burner. And a lot of times we say track speed. We don't even, it just, we mean they think he's fast. This is legit track speed. And we've seen what Jimbo Fisher can do with that in the past, moving guys around, handing them the football, taking advantage over the top. So he's had a few of those sort of do it all Swiss army knife type players. He's got another one, five, nine, one sixty. So he'll fit right in. And that offense now with Bobby Petrino running the show, helping out, whatever you want to call it. uh, They'll have a piece that they can utilize from a speed perspective that you're going to have to respect when he's on the field you just will um but that kind of brought me to a thought since we're doing texas and oklahoma today uh we've talked a lot about in the last couple weeks because of scheduling like we had a debate on our show in the morning in birmingham on wjox greg mcelroy myself of what was the most important game moving forward on the schedule for texas a&m and for oklahoma uh for a&m i think it's pretty easy but for oklahoma and texas there's a lot of folks that say that's their most important game oklahoma yeah i would probably agree texas i'm not so sure see i would go a&m before i would go oklahoma and i understand i i get it you know red river shootout red river rivalry whatever you feel like you need to call it or want to call it it doesn't bother me either way uh I know the Cotton Bowl, historic venue. I get it. Texas State Fair goes on for a month. Giant paper mache cowboy, whatever the hell it is. When you walk in, fried Oreos, fried Twinkies, fried dirt balls. Good. It's fantastic. And it's a cool game and it's a cool setting. 
I personally, and I'm, I'm the first one to admit, I, I haven't been to a bunch of those games. I didn't grow up watching Texas football or Texas A&M football, but I feel like I've got a pretty decent grip on a lot of what's happening in college football. I tell people all the time, and since we're sort of, this is a little bit of our welcome into the SEC episode, sort of, like we're, we're, we're bringing you in, Texas and Oklahoma. Thank you. We love you. We want you. We're glad you're coming in. Um, when people ask me what's different, and maybe some of you will reach out and some of you want to know, some of you don't know, so we'll educate you right now. I go to New York, I go to California, I go to Chicago, whatever it is. Hey, uh, SEC, what's different there? Like, why is the SEC so different? And, you know, people say, oh, it just means more. Like, that's the corporate slogan. Yes. Let me educate you guys on what the real difference is in the SEC. We love to hate more than we love to love. Period. That's it. We love the other team that we root against the most to lose more than we love for our team to win. And a lot of people can't internally admit that, but when you watch them or talk to them, it's blatantly obvious that it's happening. You go to social media, it's a very real thing. So I saw my buddy Billy Lucci on Paul Feinbaum show earlier this week talking about where the first Texas, Texas A&M game is going to be once they do come into the SEC and the Horns are now a member of the Southeastern Conference. And this is what he had to say. And the big debate, you know, Ross has dug his line in the sand. He's drawn his line in the sand that the first game is going to be played right here across the street at Kyle Field. Uh, Chris Del Conte acts like he's not aware of that at all. That's going to be pretty fascinating. But by the way, why game. why is that for those of us who 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 may may have forgotten? Why is what? Why did why Ross is the game? Uh, why does Ross so uh, Sherman esque about that? It's pretty interesting. I mean, he's he's basically said that the league or Sankey have indicated to him that that's where the first game will be played. Um, if you're going to draw that line in the sand, it, it it needs to end up that way. You and I both know that because if if that first game is played in Austin, uh, there's going to be a lot of upset fans. Hey, hey Billy, is that is that because uh, there, there's still people in in, in Aggie Land who feel like <laughs> they 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 had a belief that this would never happen. Yeah, I do think that's I do think that's the crux of it, and that's at the root of it. And uh, it's almost like, uh, hey, you owe us one after all that. There it is, in all of its glory. The amount of petty bullshit we get our way, we have to have our way, my way or the highway. It's got to be this, like that. Come on down. The price is right. This is what we need. This is that's a perfect fit for what we are here in the Southeastern Conference. Like bickering over where the first game, by the way, the last one was in College Station. Texas lost or Texas win, AM lost, by the way. So I most people would think it's gonna be in Austin. But to go get this make good of we didn't want you in the league or they didn't tell us you were coming in the league or we don't have to play them anyway. You know, good and damn well, this is going to be the most important game on the Texas schedule and on the Texas A&M schedule moving forward. Now, this A&M LSU thing's been kind of cool. We got seven overtimes. We've gotten some competitive games like Coach O, big upset on his way out. But it feels a little bit like the USFL where they've told us that the double down derby or Birmingham-Houston is a rivalry game, and so we're supposed to treat it as that because the league told us. Get a little bit of that feel from that one. 
A&M in Texas is real hate, vitriol. Like, I am here for that shit. Sign me up. That's Southeastern Conference football right there. And that's the tip of the iceberg. My point being, we are going to this length to discuss where a game should be and why and what the reasons are. The amount of pettiness that comes with that, I am all for it, my friends. So that's why that's going to be a great fit. That's why that's going to be the most important on this game on the schedule moving forward. So I'm excited about both teams coming in. I'm excited about the Red River rivalry being an SEC game. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And I think both teams are going to be a great fit based on the fan bases, the passion, the history, the tradition. It's, it's all going to go in exactly the way that it needs to be in this conference. But as we welcome you in, something that I saw this week, I wanted to point out because I had a lot of people get mad at me for saying that. But hey, that's where we are. And that's what it is. So let's start with the Texas Longhorn. Uh, I have a little bit of an advantage here. I sat, had Texas in the bowl game against Washington. Uh, got to sit down with the coaches, got to sit down with the players and was really impressed with a lot of people. I mean, listen, first and foremost, it's a really good staff that Texas has. I don't think nationally a lot of people know how good Bo Davis is as a D-line coach. You have a former head coach in Kyle Flood as your offensive line coach that helps out coordinating the offense. It's, it, is a, it is a great staff. And I think Steve Sarkeesian is still trying to overcome a lot of negativity with a lot of people, but being around him a little bit more, talking to him a little bit more during his time at Alabama and now at Texas, like he is laser focused. He is dialed in. He, he is. There's a part of his personality that is a little bit of a new guy. Like he understands what this thing's all about. And, and part of that conversation that we had with him was about quarterback. And we talked to him about Quinn yours. And he's like, listen, guys, I'm gonna tell you straight up. Like, I'm not going to pull any strings here. I'm not going to pull any punches. Playing quarterback in Texas is a different deal. You, you, you act different. You talk different. You have to carry yourself in a different way. You obviously have to play different. We know what comes with that. But the majority of what's different about it has nothing to do with throwing passes. It's just everything that it is, all that it encompasses. It is a massive deal. And it's one of those when you throw out. I mean, think about it. If you're like, what is the most powerful position in collegiate sports? Like quarterback at Texas is going to be up there with quarterback at USC, quarterback at Alabama, you know, maybe, you know, point guard at Kentucky. Like they're, they're very few, like starting pitcher at LSU, cleanup hitter at LSU. Like they're, they're just, there are certain brands, you know, like leading score at Duke. I don't really matter what position it is in basketball, but there are certain teams in certain positions that you just know it's going to be different. And I think Sark knows that. And he's, he's training his quarterbacks that way. And then a little bit of a sidebar on the quarterbacks at Texas. It's one of the things that I hate in college football right now. Right? And I'll, I'll get a little bit off track, but we're going to get into the Texas preview with you. One of the things I hate right now about college football is sort of how we all sort of think we know everybody else. And I'll blame the media for a lot of it. I've probably been guilty of it plenty of times uh, because I don't know everything about everybody. I don't know everything that everybody is, uh, but we go and sit down with Quinn yours and, you know, sits out his senior year, South Lake Carroll doesn't play, goes to Ohio state transfers down to Texas. He's got the monster truck. He's got the kombuka, whatever the hell. And, you know, he's got the hair, the whole deal. Been a big deal for a long time. And we sit down and talk to him and, the kid is just calm, cool, like smooth demeanor, like polite, um, not arrogant, not cocky at all. Like none of his answers really involved him. They all, he pushed it all to his teammates and other people that help him out. And Tom and Jordan and I, we, we looked at the meeting like, who was that? Like, what? Completely different than what you would have imagined and what I would have imagined. 
totally different personality, but we make some of these guys out based on, you know, deals that they may have or what they've accomplished or the big decision that they made that we didn't agree with or didn't like, it didn't know the whole history on, or a couple of answers that they've given to the media. Like we generate their entire personality based on that. Sometimes it's not right. And listen, life ain't fair. So I'm not going to say it's not fair, but it's not right. And the other part of that, the other side of that is the availability we have to a lot of these kids. There's no chance for us to get to know them. So we have to take the little pieces that we can and try to add it up and come up with something ourselves. But I just thought it was really cool that he wasn't anywhere near the guy that most people would make him out to be. Um, now, going a little f- step further with that. Some things weren't going well for them offensively in that bowl game. And I'm watching them on the sideline walking around like I'd like to see a little more MF in there. I'd like to see a guy go grab his guy by the by the collar and say, Hey, we, we need you like chill out. We don't need to go toe to toe here. Like you don't tight end. Doesn't need to be fighting wide receiver. Doesn't need to be happen. Like a little more command, if you will. And based on some of the folks that I've spoken to uh, inside that facility, that is coming. He's more comfortable in his own skin. He has been different. That's how he's been described to me. Um, a lot more communicating. He's initiating more with his teammates. That's what I'm talking about. Those are the things that need to happen with Quinn yours. It's not going to, you're going to hear people say, well, you cut the hair. So as a kid's taking his job serious now, like that's not it. All right. He needs to be communicating with teammates, talking to teammates, initiating seven on seven, initiating extra throwing sessions, like going and taking care of his body, getting extra treatment. If he needs it, like ice the arm down more, whatever, it, whatever it takes for him to be the best help to his football team. Those are the things that need to happen. And it sounds to me like those things are happening. Because the skill and the talent and the ability is all there. It's all there. We know it's there. We've seen it. Saw it early against Alabama. And we've seen it at other times. But I think the experience that he had last year, I, I think the Arch Manning things actually helped him. Because the, let's think about this for a second. Quinn Ewers has been a big deal for a very long time. We first started hearing about him his junior year. And then all of a sudden we started hearing the whispers of he might not play. Which to me, I'll be the first, I, I stood up, I got in front of a microphone and I was like, hell to the naw. Like my senior year of high school, I'm a guy that only played in two games my senior year of high school because of a knee injury. I would give both of these pinkies to be able to go back and have that back again and be able to play in every game and compete and try to go win a, a, a state championship, which the rest of my teammates actually did at Homewood High School. They got it done. But it seemed asinine to me. But that doesn't make him exactly who he is. So I, I, I think that... You know, he he goes to Ohio State, might not be what he wanted. He knows he can come to Texas and be the guy. He is the guy. But now you've got multiple guys in that room that can push you and maybe take your job. So I think it got him to focus in, dial in a little bit more to say, all right, I need to put everything into this, not only to keep it, but to maybe make the most of it. And listen, Sark, think about the guys that Sark has been around, man. Like he knows how to handle this. So now we see Malik Murphy in the spring game and it's not just Arch Manning. It's like, whoa, we got this like super dynamo athlete who's built and can run and got a cannon like Malik Murphy, like, wow. So that room all of a sudden is crowded. But I've also heard that that room gets along really well. Those guys all like each other and that everything's kosher there. So you don't have to worry about any of that. And I go back to Sark again. He knows how to manage that situation. He had it at USC with Palmer and Castle and uh, Leinert and Mustaine and Booty and Sanchez and those guys. Like he had more than one great quarterback there. And at Bama, he had two of Mack and Talia. And then he had Mike and Bryce. Like he he's managed more than one, not even really good quarterback, great quarterback on a roster at one time. So Steve Sarkeesian's experience is going to be massive there 
which is how that plays out and how that gets managed moving forward. But Quinn's the guy. We know that. And he has the ability to take this team to some places maybe they haven't been in a while, <clears throat> a long while. And that is winning the conference championship. Um, so quarterbacks, yes, like Malik Murphy, does he give you a little bit of a different dimension? Sure. Do you use him that way? It's possible. I think you could see some of it. Uh, and then Arch gets to take it all in. Like gets to take a year to say, this is what it's going to be, what it's going to look like. And then you maybe you come back and compete and could be the guy next year. So I, you can't not feel great about that room. You just can't. Running back's the one you look at and you say, ah, you was not one guy, but two guys that were really good. One generational, maybe best player in college football last year. If not, definitely one of the two or three best college football players. So he's going to be gone. I've talked about this. If you guys are just joining us with other teams about certain position groups that they have where collectively, that's why it's not going to be as big of a loss. Like there's no Bijan on this roster. There's not. Make no mistake. There's no Bijan Robinson on this roster. But I think you look at Jonathan Brooks. We saw him in the bowl game. He's been a little dinged, but he's a guy that can handle it and can be a really good power five running back. Keelan Robinson's still there. So you get a veteran at that position, a guy that can handle anything from pass protection to physically handling pass pro, catching ball out of the backfield, all the run game, like has pretty good juice. So that's a vet that can do all the different things that if, you know, it goes to hell in a handbasket somewhere else, you know, you can rely on him. And I think Keelan Robinson's always going to have a role with this staff because I think they like him that much. Jaden Blue, a little bit more of a make you miss guy. That's an alternative that you have. And then, of course, CJ Baxter, really good. Uh, coaches really like him there. But how long does it take for the light to come on? It, it's, it's more than just turning and handing an outside zone to a kid left and an outside zone to a kid right to be able to play, especially in this offense. Remember, Steve Sarkeesian, this was to my face description of his offense, motion-based matchup offense. So in other words, you're not going to stand still all the time and just say, hey, this is outside zone off the right tackles, butt cheek to the outside, make sure your inside arm goes up. Just take the hand off and go, man. Like that's not going to be it in this offense. You're going to have to do other things to be successful because Sark wants to beat you before the ball is snapped. Point is you have options there and you have good options there. So I don't look at running back as a problem. It might not be the strength that it was a year ago, but with everything else we're going to talk about, that might not be that big of a deal for this Texas Longhorns football team. Wide receiver, another one collection of talent Xavier worthy do it all guy move guy you can line him up anywhere and outside of the bowl game pretty much going to catch everything wasn't his best performance I get it however he's a guy that they trust and a guy that can create explosive plays slot outside quick throws turn him into explosive plays deep plays over the top he's a do it all wide receiver he really is and now you go add ad mitchell from georgia who is essentially in that same mold so you have numbers who you can move match up motion shift do different things with line up in different places that are going to be matchup problems keep in mind motion-based matchup offense okay Remember that with some of these names we're going through and how we're describing them when you talk about how dangerous this offense might have a chance to be this year. All right, so Jordan Whittington comes back. Big, physical, nasty slot receiver. Like, if you need a tough catch in traffic, that's your guy for a first down. So, and he's reliable, overly reliable. Doesn't have the juice to take the top off. Don't need him to. He gives you a different style wide receiver. And then you get Isaiah Nayor uh, from Wyoming, who, again, bigger, more physical, 
guy that can hurt you in different ways. And my understanding is once he got reacclimated in the spring and kind of got back going and involved in some of the activities, there were a lot of people that because all the other things going on all last year, were like, Ooh, we forgot about this dude. He is a monster. He's been productive in college football. He hasn't had the people around him like he's going to have in Texas. And now he's going to have the opportunity to create some big plays and get some very favorable matchups. Isaiah Nayor, if you don't know, a name that you're going to need to know. ACL last year didn't play, could be big time this year. So, I mean, you just you look at this position from top to bottom, it's deep, and there are a couple of freshmen that maybe could push, but with what we've thrown out right there, it's going to be hard to get a ton of targets with what Texas already has coming back. So I there's nothing not to feel good about. If you lost a guy or two, you would still be okay. The position that I do have some concern about is tight end. And it's not the number one tight end because Jatavion Sanders is, he has a chance to be that guy as far as a tight end, not just for Texas. Cause I don't think Texas is going to need to target him 75 times, but your intermediate stuff, when you run split zone, that tight end comes flat across the line of scrimmage. And all of a sudden, uh Oh, it's a bootleg. And there he is out in the flat by himself, or you insert him. And instead of going to block a linebacker, he runs past him and he's right up the seam with no safety there. Like this dude can be a problem. He's big enough to handle the physicality, but he is your, like I say prototypical, but it's new age, prototypical new age, prototype move tight end. He's the guy that Jaleel Billingsley was supposed to be at Alabama. That's what he will be for Texas this year. Athletic, fast, big catch radius, can make people look bad, and can be a matchup problem. That's what Jatavian Sanders is. Now, do they have a lot of those behind him? No, they don't. And that's why it's a little bit of a problem, because I think Sark would like to play some more 12, maybe even some 13. I know I just said they got all those receivers, but there are different points in time when he wants to line some folks up that way to get the matchups, and I don't know if that's going to be able to happen with this group. You do have a little bit of a hard hat guy in Gunnar Helm, who I think can be your dirty work guy, and every team needs those. Everybody needs just, you know, you're sort of close to the football utility player that can be an H, a Y, a fullback, and can just do some of the dirty work. So you got a guy who can come grind it out and do that there, which is positive, but just not a ton of depth at that spot. But again, if you wanted to flip it around to the other side of that, you could say, could they not live in four and five Ys a lot of the season if they had to? Yeah, probably could. Just I don't think Sark really wants to because he still wants to run the football. And he knows bigger personnel is going to help you do that a large majority of the time. So I feel great about all of that. And then what's going to be in front of them, I think you have to feel great about that as well. Here's the real good news for Texas that we haven't been able to say in a long time. They have depth on the offensive line. I'm going to say it again. They have depth on the offensive line. I don't know when the last time that was real. I don't know when the last time they had eight guys that can start or had starting experience legitimately. Um, Because, you know, if you look left to right, um, you've got a dude. I mean, a dude in Kelvin Banks. This kid has first round draft pick potential. He's going to be a guy. I mean, it's it is. He has all that ability. He can move that way. He is special. One hundred percent. So Hayden Connor goes one guard. Cole Hudson goes another guard. And you look at it and say, okay, we got Jake Majors back at center. Like we're set. Christian Jones goes at one tackle. And then I think you have a couple of others that are going to be able to help. Nato Umazulu, I think is, is a guy that can help, will help. And I also, I think Kyle Flood understands. We talked about this in the bowl game last year because he rotated the lines a little bit. I think he actually went all ones and all twos, maybe in that bowl game. If not, there was maybe three guys in the two group that he rotated in. Like he told us in the bowl game, and I think this will carry over to this season. Like you got to play these guys now. 
no matter if it's a left guard or a right tackle or a wide receiver or a running back, like guys got to play or they're out. They're going to bail. So I think you'll see more than five actually play for Texas. And I'm not talking about when somebody gets hurt or they're up by 50 points. Get the rotation going. Get guys in the game. Number one, it keeps you focused. Because like, when I'm on the sideline and I'm red shirt and I know I'm not going to play, it's easy to sort of daydream a little bit. It's easy to sort of lose focus. You might go in the next series. Your ass is dialed in 100%. Better believe it. Uh, so I think they're going to have a couple of those. DJ Campbell has started a game. So I think you've got some numbers like Connor Robertson's a guy who I think can help this team a little bit. So you got you got eight guys that I think can really help maybe push a nine for this Texas offensive line. That's huge for what not only they're going to have this year, but based on what they have not had in the past. So I have very few concerns about the offense. Essentially, nine starters back. Yes, you lose a generational tailback. Got a better feel of everything that they want to do. You may have other players that you can sprinkle in to do some different things and add some different sort of, you know, put your own little recipe on it, however that is. Is the quarterback going to take the step mentally and emotionally, maybe even vocally as a leader, be more presidential, become that guy? Skill-wise, we know he's got it. Does that happen? And then, you know, do you obviously stay healthy with your top-end guys? And can the physicality sort of take a little bit of an extra step? Because I think that's got to happen. And I think that happens has to happen for long-term success, but it's got to kind of start happening now. Because I see this team recruiting towards the SEC, wanting to look more like the SEC. And this year would be big if they can kind of start to be that group for when they actually do move to the SEC, which kind of takes me to the defense. And when you watch the defense, I, I do think that, up front, starting to look a little bit more SEC-like. I think physically, they'll probably have more girth, be thicker than they've been in a little bit. And I'm, But guys who can actually play as well, not just walking off the bus. Like Tavante Sweat, I think, is coming on. I think he's he's ready to have a good year. Byron Murphy's back. Baron Sorrell's back off the edge. Led the team in sacks a year ago. So he's obviously going to help. Uh, freshman Sidir Mitchell is going to help this group. He's going to help this group. I don't know if it's five snaps a game, 15 snaps a game, five games, 10 games. I don't know. But I think this this coaching staff knows he can, knows he will, and wants him to help. It's just going to be, once again, like we talked with running back, how much to what extent is he actually going to be in there getting snaps? Um, I do wonder if they need, can they find a little bit more twitch? Because a lot of quarterback hits last year, pressures, but terrible in pass defense overall. I know some of that's on the secondary. We'll get to that. But do you need a little bit more twitch off the edge? Can you find a little bit more twitch Can, to, to, to go lighter in some of those jet packages on third and eight, third and 12? I, I don't I don't know if they have a lot of those guys that can end up being that. Uh, like Vernon Broughton, I think, was better in the spring. I think he's a guy that's coming on. So they have some of that. They're there. They know what it is. They've obviously understood the defense and the front seven should be in decent shape with Jalen Ford back, led the team in tackles last year, 119. So you've got good experience at linebacker. And I'll just say this, when we're talking about guys who are going to help, um, 100% Anthony Hill Jr. is going to help this football team. And some of that might be on teams. Some of that might be starts. Some of that might be fill in, but he's going to help. He will be a big part of this football team, and he is going to help. David Geneva back as well, linebacker. So their linebacker should be fine. You've got leadership, and that's that's one of the better positions you lost on defense, obviously, in Overshawn. But you've got experience. You've got production. 
You've got guys that can come in and play that are young and hungry that maybe give you a little extra umph over what you previously had. Okay, so going to corners, we talk about secondary was a little bit of an issue. And <clears throat> when you when you think about just exactly what they had and what they're getting, Gavin Holmes comes in from Wake Forest, 5'11", 175, I think, but long arms. I've watched him down the field against multiple receivers. I went back and watched the tape on him. My kid can play. Didn't get challenged a whole bunch. I think I don't think teams wanted to challenge him a whole lot. He's physical. Doesn't does not afraid to mix it up. I think he's a big ad. So you have Ryan Watts there at corner as well. Savian Bryce is back. Terrence Brooks is back. I think that position will be a little bit better this year. Safety is what should be a lot of fun to watch. Um, because if you want to call the spur position a safety, Jadre uh, Barron's going to be back. Eleven tackles for loss last year. Led the team. Like he's a dude on the back end. He can absolutely play. Uh, so I think with him and Jaron Thompson back, this is one that's weird for me. We talk about all these transfers with all these different teams and all these guys that have played and been something. And there's almost no discussion of Jalen Catalan playing at Texas next year. Almost zero. And let me just tell you flat out. I've watched him. He's a dude. He can freaking get it. Now, has he been beat up? Yes, he has. Does that mean he may never reach that pinnacle that we saw at one point in his career? Maybe, but I think 80% of Jalen Catalan is still pretty damn good. And if he adds more thump, the experience, like my understanding is just him walking around the building is a little bit different. So, and those are kind of some of the guys that I think this team needs. There was a little bit of buying into the NIL and some of the, some of the noise and some of the other stuff. Like I, I think there are a lot of distractions at Texas, just kind of what it is. but. The expectations are there for a reason because they've been great and people expect that. So I do think mentally and emotionally, not just the quarterback, a lot of the team's got to take a big step, but good Lord, they should be able to score points and they should be able to do it in a lot of different ways. Want to see them be able to throttle down, run on command a little bit more, which I think with that offensive line probably should be able to do that. So it should be an exciting year. Like, I'm, I mean, I feel, I feel pretty good about what Texas is, what Texas has. Um, for me, I, I think right now they would be my favorite to win the big 12 that can change before we kick. But I mean, I, I think we're talking about the two favorites to win the big 12 today. And if I had to choose one, I think I would go with Texas to win the big 12. You take a peek at that schedule and just kind of what it is and where it is. We know what week three is like, we, we know exactly what it's going to be. Nobody's afraid of it. Nobody's talking about it. Week two, excuse me. You went toe-to-toe with Alabama last year. You get him at night, Brian Denny. It's going to be a madhouse. I'm going to go ahead and warn you. It's going to be loud. Uh, Rice week one, you're fine. Wyoming at Baylor, tough. Here's the thing about Baylor. One of the few teams in the Big 12 right now that can like physically give you a different style game. Like Grimes and those guys do a good enough job with that that they, they know how to make that thing go. And so that'll be tough. Kansas at home, you should handle it, but you've slipped up there. We know what that game in the cotton bowl is at Houston. Houston's roster ain't ready for this. You should be able to win that game. Um, you know, you look to at BYU, another grown man football game, but athletically they should not be able to cover this football team. No chance in hell. Should they be able to cover this team? Kansas state? You guys know it. That's a different style football game. I mean, Clyman's group is going to come after your ass. They want to fist fight every game, but you get it at DKR. So uh, at TCU, different ball club, May actually be 
Better quarterback. I don't know. At Iowa State, you're finer than Texas Tech. Texas Tech's going to be a sneaky good team, I think. But it is a very manageable schedule. Very manageable. And I think this team's got a chance to do some special things. I think sky's the limit for Texas this year. I feel pretty good about a lot of it. Uh, sky's the limit also when you go to bluedeltajeans.com. Blue Delta Jeans custom fit denim that you are going to love. It's lightweight. It's comfortable. You can wear it when it's hot. Texas, Oklahoma coming in. Like it's just as hot there as it is here in Alabama. So you'll love Blue Delta Jeans as well. Go get a pair for yourself. Father's Day coming up. What better gift than a gift card for Blue Delta Jeans? You can get a pair of custom fit denim for your dad that he is going to love, keep, and wear forever. BlueDeltaJeans.com. Tell Nick and the guys you heard about him right here on Cube Show. All right, so that game that comes up on October the 7th at the Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma, Texas. What is Oklahoma going to look like this year? Dylan Gabriel back. Big-time quarterback. Not just big-time college quarterback. Kid's got a ton of skill, ton of ability. I mean, 3,168 yards last year. I think over 11,000 passing yards in his career. Uh, 45 touchdowns to 20 picks. 25 and 6 last year. Like, the dude's a stat machine. He is a production monster. And I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon because he is obviously comfortable with Lebby. Lebby is comfortable with him. We saw how different it was without him last year. So that is going to be a big part of what they are. Is it going to be a bigger part, him utilizing his legs this year? I think probably because Jackson Arnold is coming in as a freshman, Gatorade player of the year, all everything, five-star, arrived in January. How about Jackson Arnold? And we saw him like a 69-yard run in the spring game, so you know he's got some wheels. You know he can make the throws. Like the final play of the game, the two-point thing, like pretty impressive, uh, even though it was dropped. But this kid's already taken 21 hours at Oklahoma. He's got a 4-0. Like when I first went, to, I would have been taking the absolute bear in the summer. Like there's no way. So he is an impressive young man in a lot of different ways. My understanding is taking coaching, uh, changing things, alternating things with his technique and his fundamentals. Not afraid of that. He's been right on top of that, been able to handle that and manage that. Obviously, mentally, emotionally, playbook, nothing like that's been an issue with him at all. He's he's a different kid, man. And that staff loves what they have in Jackson Arnold. So maybe you run Dylan Gabriel a little bit more and maybe that happens, you know, as the season sort of progresses a little bit and you can say, all right, well, we can, we can play a little more high risk with some of our Q runs because now we know what we have behind us. You get his feet wet a little bit. I mean, look how that season opens up Arkansas state SMU. Watch out. Be careful with that one. Every now and then I give you guys, like I told Tennessee fans about UTSA, like be careful. Be careful with SMU. I'm not calling for an upset, but I'm just saying be careful. That team's going to be sporty. At Tulsa, at Cincinnati, Iowa State. Like you've got time to maybe get your backup some snaps, some reps, be ready if something were to happen. So I think that's a little bit bigger part of what this team potentially is going to do. So quarterback not going to be a problem for Oklahoma and what they're going to do and what they're going to be. However, running back one, kind of like we talked about with Texas, you lose your guy in Eric Gray, who was super productive last year and has been great. But I think, again, by committee, things should be okay. Now, I know that they want this to be Marcus Major, fifth-year senior, veteran, been around. But, yeah, he's been dinged up. But I think he can be your, your all-everything back. 
good news is if he's not, you have other options. We saw Gavin Salchuk make plays in the spring game, catching the ball to the backfield, solid runs. And Javante Barnes obviously has been that dude, 519 yards, five touchdowns last year. So what it's collectively, you're good. You're in good shape if you're Oklahoma at running back. So what about wide receiver? Lost some production there. Who's the next dude? So Drake Stoops back. You know what he's capable of in the slot. Jaleel Farouk is back. Gavin Freeman's back. So you've got guys that are coming in that you know you've had in this system that can help you. Then you go out and get Andre Anthony from Michigan, 6'2", 175. He had like 19 catches at Michigan. Not a ton, but has a chance. Obviously, Nick Anderson's also still been there, redshirt freshman. This is a different kid. 6'4", 205. Tough, physical He's had some soft tissue issues, but somebody who can be a different type receiver in this offense. And if they got him, you can Levy can do a lot of different things with that. Brennan Thompson comes from Texas, a little bit more of a burner. You're 5'10, 165 guy. Move him, slot, whatever it is, jet sweep. You you can utilize him in some different ways. But I think one of those three needs to help. One of those three has got to come in and be a guy like I still think they're looking for sort of left outside receiver that they know they can bank on, be dependable, be consistent, consistency, the key with this receiving core. But I know they had a great spring. I know that coaching staff was happy with what they got out of the spring. And now all of a sudden you roll in, you got maybe a few more numbers than you had a year ago in its totality. And so you got plenty of guys to choose from. It's just a matter of who's going to go out there and make those plays consistently. And can they stay healthy? Because a couple of them have been dinged up. Same thing with Texas, though, tight end is my concern. And I'll take you guys back to a quote. I was covering an Ole Miss game at LSU a couple years ago, and I'm sitting there with Lebby on the field talking before their game, and they had their starting tight end was out, and they had moved somebody, I think, from defense to be the backup tight end behind Kelly. And, and Lebby looks over there and he says, Cole, that's what I'm working with. And he followed that up with, I need that position to be everything we can be offensively. I need that position to be everything we can be offensively. They didn't run as much 12 personnel last year as they wanted to. They want to run more this year. And Austin Stonger is super solid, solid, a solid tight end. Studied him at OU. Obviously saw him in South Carolina. Now he's back. Solid football player. Blake Smith, Caden Helms, maybe, but not a ton of confidence there with exactly what those guys are going to be. The offensive line though, I think has a chance to be a strength like this group. So I went and pulled the film on Walter Roos at Stanford mammoth behemoth at left tackle. And he's got some nasty, like this dude finishes. He is a bill beating bow special. Like he will go through the whistle has a little bit of an issue with his pad level. Sometimes gets a little wobbly off balance, but he is mean and he can get movement, which is vital in this offense with a lot of the pin and pull gap scheme stuffs that they run. Savion bird, probably going to go at a guard. Uh, Andrew Ryan is going to be your center. Caleb Schaefer or Jake Taylor, maybe go with the other guard. And then you get to Tyler Guyton at right tackle. Whoa, Nelly. Played three games last year. Played the bowl game. I put the bowl game on this week to go watch him. I'm just kind of trying to catch up. Some guys you don't focus on, like you don't pay a ton of attention to. And this, I think it's the second play of the game. They block down. He pulls around. And when I see this young man, run from the right tackle spot in between the left tackle and the left guard at six, seven, three, 15, three, 20 did not look like an offensive lineman running. 
did not look like an O-lineman. This is a young man that has been playing offensive line for 19 months. Had shoulder surgery, only three games last year. Do not be surprised when a little less than a year from now, we're talking about where this kid is going to come off the board and how high he's going to go in the NFL draft. Only because he has that kind of physical ability. And we've seen what beat and bow can do with guys like that. Now I would like to see a little bit more flexibility in the lower body. He kind of reminds me of, you know, some of the early Orlando Brown days where he's kind of just standing up in his stance the whole time, but that can come that can something that can be worked out. It was last year. That offensive line should be a strength. You have experience, you have physicality, you have a little bit more depth than a year ago. And if those two tackles pan out, which I think they have a good chance to watch out for this team. I just want to know who the bonus bigs are going to be because whether it's been Dimitri flowers or whoever, like there has been a dude that's helped that run game go. It's tight in, you know, H fullback, whatever, like they need usually more than one of those guys. And I don't know if they have that right now, but with what you have at quarterback, what you have at receiver, if the O line is there, like I feel like this offense takes a step and we know it was a little bit different when the quarterback was banged up middle of season last year, but I, I think they get this thing raring to go and get it back on track even more so this year. Defensively, I've got my concerns. Like, yeah, it was it was really bad a year ago. Uh, 99th in scoring defense, 106th in rush defense, 119th in pass defense, 122nd in total defense. Like, good God almighty. That is fucking awful. There's no other way to say that. And I apologize to my mother-in-law if she heard that, but there's no, uh, there's no better way to explain that. So I apologize. Um, There have been some additions that can help. Rondell Boythard comes in from Wake Forest. Now, there are some folks that tell me he's their best defensive lineman like right now. I just want to warn you, Oklahoma fan, like this is not your super flexible, athletic, long, twitchy defensive end. Like that's he he is not that. I'll say this. He is not at a Pojo at a bar war the freshman defensive end who looks every bit of that, like has the eight foot wingspan can bend, can dip and rip, can run, can change direction is super athletic. That young man is going to help this year. So I'm in the spring game. Like I know what they love, what they see with them. He's going to help. But what you do get, I think with Boythrid from wake is you get a hard nosed, a guy who can play the run, a guy who has some good pass rush ability, uses his hands well. Now, Wake moved him a ton, like a bunch of slants, a bunch of twists, that kind of stuff. So I'm interested to see him play straight up a little bit more. But he's just hard-nosed, man. Like, dude's just a, he's just a, a tough, hard-nosed football player. He kind of fits into some of those Dusty Dvorak Oklahoma defenses. Like, you know, I think, I think, you know, some of the other – some of the old school Oklahoma guys would love watching the way this dude plays, but that I just, I don't want you to think he's like this all twitched up, super athletic defensive end. That's just not what he is. So it's, it's okay, but that's just not it. But you got Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe are all back, you know, so you've, you, you've got some numbers that are back and then you bring in a few more. So you have Jonah Lualu from Hawaii a couple of years ago. Like he might be a guy who comes in and helps. Um, I think you've, you, you go add, Trey Ford from Oklahoma state at defensive end can help you out a little bit. Um, I'm, I, I've just, I gotta see this group take the next step. Is Davin Sears going to help you that much at D tackle? Eh, um, maybe Dejon Terry at Tennessee. I've seen him play. He's fine. He's a solid player. Like he will give you good physical reps and he'll be a D tackle that looks the way a D tackle is supposed to look, but he's not taking over games. 
And I don't, I don't necessarily think that they need Jacob Leary, the Notre Dame transfer to take over games, but let's be real. Tackling has got to get better. Physicality overall has got to get better. Fitting the run has got to get better. Penetration and disruption has got to get better. Now, some of these guys will be able to do it. Like, you know, Isaiah Co, Jordan Kelly, it's, it's not that they don't like those guys. And it's next year in the system and the scheme, maybe they step up a little bit and they help. But that front seven's got to be better. And I, some of what you saw last year, unacceptable. So you try to help that group a little bit more. You go get Desan McCullough out of Indiana, physical freak show, freshman all American last year. Like this kid can run, he can hit. He is, he will be, he will play the part and he will fit in nicely. Uh, you bring in Jaron Kanak back from last year, leading tackler. So you're good there. You know, you've got that and you can, you can lay in, you can, you can lean on that. You've got some experience there. Um, you make some additions in the secondary that I think obviously can help. Reggie Pearson from Texas Tech. Now, Billy Bowman's a dude. I think how they get a great spring. I think he's somebody who's going to be able to help you at safety and he's going to be solid. So, um, you know, Woody Washington, again, another really good player that's back that I think is going to be a little bit better than some people believe. You made some other additions in the secondary, but it's hard for me to see Oklahoma having the same ceiling as Texas just because of the defense. And you've made some moves. There's some guys that are going to come in and help. Uh, I think specifically a defensive end and outside linebacker, but is it going to be enough inside? Is that front seven going to be different to the point in which it allows you to win the big 12 and make a push for the college football playoff? I don't know if it's just there yet, but this rebuild is going to continue to happen. And obviously Oklahoma's recruiting off the charts. So listen, man, this is, this has been a fun episode because I'll be real. I had to do extra prep this week. I don't know these teams as well as I know some of the sec teams. I had to make a few extra phone calls and talk to some folks this week, but hopefully I gave you some information that OU and Texas fans didn't have. And I know some of our other sec fans that don't dial into these teams as much. You don't pay as much attention. So now we're kind of trying to introduce you to them. So thank you so much for being with us. We are back next Sunday. Please subscribe. Please like, please follow along on all the platforms. We'll see you next Sunday. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.